Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everyone, to the Feeding and Leading Podcast. My name is Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner with Oklahoma Baptist. And as always, I am joined today by our Executive Director, Treasurer, Dr. Todd Fisher. Hey, Todd, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm good. We have wound down the summer. Falls Creek is in the books. Yes. Great week. Great summer for Falls Creek. Falls Creek. A record number of uh, salvations among yeah. students uh, in the evening worship services. So we're really, really grateful for that. Uh, almost 500 students who sensed a special call to ministry. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think God's doing something in that generation. I Absolutely. think he's moving. I think that generation is, is hungry for truth. Yeah. They're looking for that. And uh, I think God's doing something there. Well, we are going to talk about an issue that's that's pretty directly related to that uh, today, and we have a special guest with us. Dr. Ryan Smith is the pastor at Arrow Heights Baptist Church in Broken Arrow. Do you know something about that church? Well, I, yeah, I, I know that uh, I left a mess there <laughs> uh, after pastoring the church for seven years, and I'll tell you, honestly, between the three of us and everybody listening— I could not be more excited that Ryan was the next pastor, and the church is doing fantastic, uh, excited about the direction, and Ryan, we're really happy to have you here with us today. Really glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, family, all that kind of good stuff, and, and, and like, how long have you been at Arrow Heights now? Coming up on 11 months, which seems crazy. Seems crazy, gone by so so quickly. Big shoes to fill, uh, obviously. But uh, yeah, we're we're loving it. Uh, family and I, my wife Allison and I, have been married about 17 years. We have uh, two kids. One, our son is 11. Our daughter is six, and uh, they're just loving the church and acclimating well. And how long were the were you the associate pastor at Eagle Heights and Stillwater? I was there a little over 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. What all roles did you fill there? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, easier with what you didn't do <laughs> yeah, there, what right? What did you not do? Uh, I, I started off as an interim youth minister and then did youth, discipleship, education, worship, uh, then also just kind of general pastoring yeah. uh, on, on staff. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's get right into the topic that we want to talk about today. There's a reason why we specifically asked Ryan to come. Today we're going to talk about the issues of gender and sexuality, and how, as pastors and churches, we can address those issues uh, with conviction and at the same time with grace. And Ryan, tell us a little bit about how, you know, what your interaction is in this. I, I think you did a DMIN project on this, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It actually got started at Falls Creek uh, when I was asked to lead a breakout on LGBTQ issues and the transgender movement. I had written a couple of articles for the Baptist Messenger and was able to teach some of those sessions at Falls Creek and uh, was so interested to find out that the people that were coming 
forward with the most hunger for this were, oddly enough, the uh, people on staff, which are college students, uh, the young adults who were coming and saying, I have needed to hear this. And these were our church kids. And so being at Stillwater with Oklahoma State University, I went back to the BSU and uh, did my demon project in this area, training young adults and college students on LGBTQ issues and addressing them within the local church. Yeah, it, it's we can no longer say it's out there. No. It is in here. It is in the church. Our people are facing it. And you tell me if this is right or wrong. It it seems like like many of our people feel like they're drowning in trying to answer this. Like they don't know where to go, what to do, how to how to Is that is is that what you see? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think when you say that it's out there and now it's in here, I think really it's been in here for decades. We just haven't acknowledged the elephant in the room, so to speak. And so while our people have been inundated with these messages from the culture, as well as relationships, close relationships that have changed because of these LGBTQ issues, because the church hasn't addressed these issues in large part, they haven't seen the church or a pastor or the Bible or even God himself as an approachable authority on the issues of sex, marriage, gender, and sexuality. And so I'm very encouraged by the conversation continuing to grow within Christian circles and within the church itself so that people can say as they are engaging this conversation, they're also having the voice of the church speaking into it. That's really good. One of the things we always want to do on, on this podcast I think is be very practical in terms of helping pastors in particular, which is our target audience, how they can address issues, and this would certainly be one, uh, in the church, in the pulpit, with their church members. But before we get to that, I want to pick up on what you just said about authority. And I want to, let's just back up for one second and kind of talk about ideologically how we got to where we are Um I just recently read a book by Carl Truman called Strange New World, which I really, really encourage our listeners to read. It is a well-written book. It's very, very thought-provoking. What Truman basically does in this book is he, he goes back all the way to Rousseau in the 18th century and tracks from Rousseau to, to Freud, Marx, Nietzsche, the, the major thinkers, and, and which is interesting, none of those men had really any influence in their day. Mm-hmm. The, their thoughts just went off the edge of the table. But now those guys kind of plowed the ground for essentially a movement of our culture away from seeing authority as something being anything transcendent. You know, like the Word of God can't be our authority. God himself can't be our authority. And now authority becomes us, a, a radically individualized culture, is really what these, these guys were advocating. And so now how I feel about something, rather than what God says about something, becomes my authority. And what Truman does in this book, I think it's really interesting, is how he connects that with identity. Which So he says, you know, for the LGBTQ movement, tolerance was never going to be enough. Because originally, if we think back, you know, originally 
this movement and 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 Truman just kind of calls it a new sexual revolution. We have we have sexualized and politicized everything. And what what he argues is that that since how I feel about all this, it, it is so wrapped up in my identity. You know, like I was saying, originally everybody this this movement just said, "Hey, just let us do what we want to do. We won't bother you. We won't force this upon anybody else." But when it's connected with your identity, it it can't stop there. And so th- those are some of the arguments that Truman makes, and I think those are really helpful in framing the kind of how we got here. And I think that's a big question I hear. Yeah. How did we get here? How did the culture change so radically in the last decade? So just, Ryan, just kind of interact with a little bit of that. Tell us some of your thoughts on all the stuff I just kind of threw out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely living in their world of Nietzsche, of Marx and Freud. And what what they did in large part was to uh, try to upend, as you explained, upend the idea of an objective truth. And so coming on the heels of that, we had Dr. Alfred Kinsey and John Money who began sexualizing everything yeah, right. and taking gender apart, putting it on a spectrum and giving new definitions to age-old realities. And so really, this hasn't happened in the last decade. This has been happening for yeah. decades. Yeah. Uh, we're just seeing the fruit of it. But I think the definitions of the age-old realities are what we are encountering over the past couple of years. So if a girl likes sports she is no longer considered a girl. If a boy likes dance, he's told that he is somewhere on the spectrum between male and female, whereas historically he's just been a boy who mm-hmm. likes dance. Right. And so these questions of identity are incredibly important. That's where I think the church has so much to speak into the conversation because if anything speaks to our identity, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we see this as people are challenged in their identity, according to their sexuality, their self-proclaimed identity, that they respond with, well, you're dead naming me. You are discounting my right to exist. There is such protection around that self-authority, and I think it's because people understand deep underneath how fragile that is, Mm. that that's not a real authority. Mm -hmm. That's not a real identity. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so desperately protected. But I think that's where we have opportunity to speak the gospel into these yeah. situations. Yeah. And that idea that a person would find their their gender, their identity, not in their biology, but in an ideology yeah. is yeah. is amazing. That's a breathtaking yeah. to think about that. Yeah. But that's what's that's what's happening. That's where we are. And you're exactly right. The gospel is obviously the answer to that. Yeah. Ryan, it, it seems it seems that the, um, that the definitions uh, for the LGBTQ movement, the definitions are are holy ground. Like they they are defending definitions to a hilt. How do we bring cl- as as Christians, as as gospel believing people, how do we interact with the definitions that they have staked their flag on? How do we do that with the kindness and goodness of, of Christ and, and, and still be, be able to bring truth to bear? 
Yeah, it's, it's difficult. We're called to speak the truth in love. And so I, th- I think first and foremost, we have to provide the Bible's definitions. We have to go to Genesis 1, 27 and 28, Genesis 2, 24, and say from the beginning of time, these things have been defined and they've been given for a purpose and a design. And that purpose and design is good and they lead to human flourishing. And so when we say this is what marriage is, this is what sex is, this is what gender is, you know, the very first things that we learn about Adam and Eve, about mankind created in the image of God, is in relation to their gender. Male and female, he created them. Mm -hmm. So I think first we uphold the Bible's definitions. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So let's talk a little bit about the practical aspect of this. Um, I think maybe let's start by saying, Ryan, what would you say to a pastor uh, on how to address this from the pulpit? Let's start there. You know, um, how do how do you how do you speak from a convictional point of view? Boy, I'm, I'm going to stand on what the Word of God says. But speak this with 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 a, a a grace and a helpfulness to the church members. Just kind of, what would you say to pastors on? Yeah, some pointers on that. We we know that you preach this issue. There's going to be a lot of uncomfortable people in the pew mm-hmm. that day, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, how how do we how do we go about that? Yeah, a couple of things. First, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of the truth of God's word. Uh, the interesting thing is whenever I've addressed this topic in a local church or with a kind of mixed audience of varying ages, by far the number one demographic of people that come up afterward and say, thank you for teaching this, is senior adults. Yeah. By far. Yeah. yeah. Because it's their grandkids, yeah. their I'll, niece and their nephew, yeah. and they're watching their kids yeah. try to parent into yeah. this. Yeah. So you're not introducing anything that isn't already being being heard. So don't be afraid of the voices that might push back against you. I, I just heard a group of pastors exhale. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. before you that that is so important. I think a lot of pastors don't talk about this issue, they don't talk about other issues because uh, I'm going to get rocks thrown at me. This is a complex issue. Yeah. But you know, you you can't take that posture. You've right. got to address this. It's in the scripture. Uh, find what the Bible says about it. There's so many great resources about yeah. it. But man, don't be afraid. Is that's I, man, that's really that's good. really good. That's right. Yeah. Don't be afraid. And as you said, the resources are in the scripture. You don't have to try to catch up to decades worth of information on cultural trends and ideologies. All you have to do is go back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and you teach from those passages where God made man, where he united man and woman in marriage, how Jesus affirmed that. You can go to Matthew 19, and when they asked him about questions of divorce, what did he do? He went right back to Genesis 1, 27, 28, Genesis 2, 24, and he gave us the definitions. They ask him about divorce and marriage, and he says, in the beginning, God created them male and female. So Jesus affirms that marriage is a heterosexual union. Uh, He affirms in restating that, that it is a union between one man and one woman. And also he says it is something that God has joined together. So he gives the definition, 
he says that the definition is objectively God's. We can go to Ephesians 5, and that argument is continued, this relation to Christ and the church. We have all the resources we need mm-hmm. in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. We just have to use them. Sounds you know? like some really good uh, sermon series right there. Genesis yeah. 1, Genesis 2, Matthew 19, Ephesians 5. You could go yeah. on and on. And I, th- I think on this with pastors, sometimes it, I think pastors find it a little difficult to, to the tone, how I speak about this, because I, I know I had church members come to me and basically say, you're not doing your job if you don't just get all angry, mad, say yeah. terrible things about homosexuality, uh, homosexuality. Yeah. and and you know you you don't have to be in rage mode when you teach on this. Right. Like, just mm-hmm. teach yeah. the Bible, mm-hmm. teach the Bible, and proclaim God's truth. And and yeah, we can be passionate about this, but I don't know this polarization where we feel like we got to swing to this one far extreme. And man, I get, like I said, rage mode. Anytime mm-hmm. I, th- we don't have we don't have to do that. I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's probably counterproductive, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where the speaking the truth in love part comes. Yeah. And what we have to lay out first and foremost is that we are all sinners and we are all sexually broken. Jesus mm-hmm. leveled that playing field mm-hmm. when he said, you know, you think you haven't committed adultery. That's, that's great. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got it in your heart. That's because right. you look at what, So we come out saying we are all all sexually broken. Yeah, I am as a pastor, you are as a parent, you are as a guest, whatever the case may be, we're all coming at this as broken, sinful, sexually broken people. Now, those sexual brokenness aspects may come into play and look different, but that's why the Bible gives that one word, pornea, for everything yeah, that's, right. that's, that's outside. Right. So we're all coming just from different places of pornea. Yeah. So when we address this topic in the church, address it knowing that there are people who struggle with these issues and with these ideologies, but also these feelings in your church. They're in that room. Mm-hmm. They're in that pew. You've yeah. probably known them for decades, yeah. and you are one of them too. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, that's so that's how you have to approach it uh, and just then point to the gospel. So, Ryan, uh, uh, every pastor is going to probably, probably sooner than later, or already has, um, face this in, in a counseling-type situation. What what, what, what would you say is a, a good posture, good approach for pastors as they're dealing with these issues? And if pastors, the pastors I talk to feel ill-equipped to talk about this. So how do we, how do we help them to get equipped in that, in, 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 particularly from a counseling standpoint? Yeah, I would say first break the stereotype. Because everything that people have heard in the culture is that Christians hate anyone of LGBTQ or mm. any, any other stripe. So if someone is coming in and they are admitting to you a, a feeling or a thought or a relationship, first be willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, will you tell me more about that? Thank mm-hmm. you for trusting mm-hmm. me with mm-hmm. this. I understand this is huge. Uh, tell me more about your experience. Help me understand. Um, but also, if you're being approached from kind of the opposite side of that, where people believe that you as a pastor or a Christian are just weak mm-hmm. and can be run right mm-hmm. over, stand strong 
on that gospel Mm -hmm. and stand strong on those definitions. Uh, So we have opportunity to break the stereotype, but in specifically a counseling situation, feel free to admit that you don't have all the background, the counseling, but point to what you do know. Mm -hmm. Stick with what you do know. You have all the equipping Mm -hmm. you need. It just seems like you don't. (laughs) I I would bet that a lot of pastors that we have, a lot of pastors listening to this episode, have had that senior adult, that grandparent, or the parent come to them and say, my child or my grandchild is identifying as right. their, the, you know, the gender that they are not, or my grandchild, my child is struggling with homosexuality. Boy, I, I, I think pastors really feel kind of stuck sometimes. I mean, you know, we, we know, hey, I can say the Scripture, but, uh, you know, what, what does a pastor say in that situation to encourage the parent or the grandparent of a child that has expressed these beliefs? Yeah, it's difficult. There are things that a grandparent or a parent, there are things that they can do and things that they can't do. Yeah. And one thing that they can do is position themselves to be that first phone call. Mm-hmm. Because what we have is a cultural zeitgeist or a cultural mm-hmm. shift right. that says uh, sex and sexuality and identity is all that you are. And it's uh, kind of been at the peak of this wave. Mm-hmm. But I think in really the past couple of years, we've started to see the receding of that as people who have bought this lie have started to live life for a while and say, you know what, this isn't what was promised to me by the culture. I don't feel happy Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, all these bad things that have been happening to me have not stopped. So they're going to start looking for truth somewhere else. Right. And so if you as a grandparent have said, look, I love you. I can't follow you mm-hmm. in this direction, but I want you to know no matter what, I am always here mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Stand on truth, but leave that door open with love. Because when an entire culture realizes that the direction they've been heading is not real, right, or true, or good, they're going to return to the places that they knew were real and right and true. And it's interesting to see every single country that was ahead of the United States in this uh, transgender surgical altering Uh, Every single one that was ahead of us has stopped the program, has said this does not actually help people, post-op transsexuals and transgendered people, that it's actually doing more harm than good, that the suicide rate rises actually 19 times in people who undergo surgery, after surgery. Yet there's that brief period, and I've heard Laura Perry Smalls talk about this, yeah. There's that about five-year period where people will say, this is the best decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. This has answered all my questions. But after that, which we're starting to see more and more, that's right. the yeah. detransitions, yeah. that's where people say, where were the people in my life yeah. <laughs> that were yeah. supposed to tell me yeah. not to do this? That's right. Yeah, you just mentioned Laura Perry Small. She's she's an Oklahoman, mm-hmm. uh, a member of a, a Baptist yeah. church here in northeastern yeah. Oklahoma, and her testimony is just 
incredible. Yeah. And, and, and the support that she got from particularly like her parents, um, just, it's just a testimony of the, of the, of the detransitioning power of the gospel. Yeah. 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 And it's great hope for loved ones and for people who have drawn that line and said, I can't go with you, but then feel very alone. You know, God's never done with a person. Mm -hmm. You never know what they're going to encounter. So she's a great testimony to that. And there's so many more of those growing. The hashtag detrans is all over, uh, all over Twitter, all over social media. And you can learn a lot about those stories. So Ryan, how, uh, speak this last word to, to our pastors uh, pastors really want to 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 be able to effectively minister to the gospel uh, in in this arena. How how do we properly kind of position the church for this? I I, th- I think I've heard you say that we're never going to catch up to it. Don't worry about catching up to it. <laughs> but what can the church do to position itself properly to be able to? to speak into this world and to properly care for people with the gospel here. Yeah. First, we have to say to our churches and to our staffs, staff, this topic is on the table. We are going to be talking about Mm -hmm. sex and sexuality, uh, using it as examples in your sermons, Mm -hmm. uh, dressing the elephant in the room, but then also saying we're not just going to see this as issues. We're going to see this as people. Yeah. These are real people with yeah. real prayers uh, and real feelings. And so we're going to address those people, and we are going to be an open door for yeah. people who return having those questions. And as they see this this snake kind of eating its own tail of our, yeah. of our cultural movement, yeah. we position ourselves to say we're going to welcome these people. Yeah. Yeah. They may come looking and walking in that back door looking way different than us yeah. because they've been through a lot. In, in the past, the church here in America, I think they've kind of taken on a little bit of approach of when it comes to issues such as this, hey, we don't talk about that here. Yeah. Right. And we got to get away from that. Yeah. We, we got to talk about that here. And, and yeah. we've got to create a space where our teenagers, our children— yes. Mm-hmm. feel that they can ask us questions about this, and yep. we're not going to just stick a hand up and say, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We better start talking about it Absolutely. because the, the culture's talking about it, and the culture's feeding them all of this. We, we've got to be intentional about being open on that and talking about it. So in order for us to, to be able to, to talk about it, we probably need a little bit of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? So give us some good resources that, that you've encountered that, that will are, are kind of, you know, that, that lower to mid-shelf level that we can reach in to help a pastor, to help others. Uh, I'll start it off. Mm-hmm. Ryan Smith actually wrote a great book <laughs> called Trust the Circle, Understanding God's Design for Sex, Gender, and Sexuality. So you wrote this just a year ago, right? Or so? Yeah, yeah and for and, this purpose, to equip pastors and churches and lay leaders. Yeah. I mean, a very reachable book, less than 100 pages, and uh, just walks through um, things like biblical sexuality, uh, biblical definitions, biblical gender. It's all scripturally based. So I want to promote that one. But what are some other ones that uh, that you've really reached to and help you? 
Yeah, a great book is called Holy Sexuality by Christopher Yuan. That's Y-U-A-N. Uh, he is a, a, a Christian who has come out of the uh, a homosexual lifestyle with parents who prayed for him and poured into him. And so he's able to speak from a position of somewhat authority with this background. But he does a great job of, of detailing what the Scripture says about sex, gender, and sexuality. There's a, a podcast called the Beckett Cook Podcast. He's someone uh, from, from Hollywood who is in that whole lifestyle, met some young adults having a Bible study at a coffee shop who shared the gospel with him, hmm. and his life has been totally transformed. But he has great talks with people like Rosaria Butterfield mm-hmm. and Christopher Yuan and mm-hmm. kind of this whole movement of Christian voices who are speaking into these issues uh, that you can introduce yourself to and you can become accustomed to and get their resources. Uh, there, there are a lot of things out there. I actually developed TrustTheCircle.com as a way to connect people with those resources. So there are links to articles, books, video testimonies, all in this general area that I encourage anyone to go to and, and connect with. TrustTheCircle.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. You know, and last little thing I would just say is just listening to what you've said, Ron, and thanks for being here, man. What th- This is really great stuff. I think it's very helpful for our pastors. Uh, I, I, when I talk to pastors about this, I, I, feel, I hear a little bit of some, like, discouragement, almost like we're losing this battle, you know, and uh, back to what we were talking about with Truman, you know, you know, Nietzsche obviously didn't believe in objective, absolute truth, and one of the things that Nietzsche, a hallmark of, of Nietzschean philosophy was truth is determined by whoever's in power. Hmm. And I think sometimes pastors feel like, wow, the, the, this, this worldly movement is in power, but we got to remember where the power, where the victory really lies. Yeah, and right. as followers of Christ, you know, we, we are on the victorious side here, and we've got to be good soldiers in this, in this battle that are, you know, engaging this issue with Scripture and with love and grace, but always remembering in the background, you know, that in the end, we, we know who really does have the power and yeah. uh, the one who created us. So I, I hope pastors, as we talk about this issue, just won't be discouraged and will, you know, engage this issue biblically with their church and, and keep hanging in there. Yeah, Eugene Peterson wrote a very helpful book for pastors called A Long Obedience in yeah. the Same Direction. Great book. So yes. good. And that applies so much to this situation yeah. and to talking about sexual ideology. But interestingly enough, he got that phrase, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, from Nietzsche. That's right. He did. That's exactly <laughs> so, right. So what we're seeing are the fruit of yeah. Nietzsche's labors yeah. of A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Yeah. We have to trust that our labors in a long obedience mm. in the same direction will That's produce good. even more fruit. That's good. Good stuff. Well, Ryan, just so thankful for you, brother. Personally, very, very thankful for you and uh, excited about uh, how the Lord is using you now as a senior pastor there in Broken Arrow. And, and man, thank you so much for your effort in this area. And, uh, and I want to, again, in- encourage everyone to go get Trust the Circle 
and then go to trustthecircle.com. Well, thank you all for joining us again today at Feeding and Leading. We want to encourage you that if you have ideas or questions, you can send them to us at podcast at oklahomabaptist.org. And we hope that you'll join us again for the next episode of Feeding and Leading. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.